Hi, this is Jundo. Welcome to Tree Leaf. And I want to wish Master Dogen a very happy 811th, I think, birthday. This week is the time to celebrate Master Dogen's birthday in the Soto tradition. And I want to say, you're looking your age, which is ageless, timeless. That man knew more about time than I think Albert Einstein. He knew how to turn time up and down and back and forth to see all of space and time in an instant. He knew that time flies to the future, but also the future flows into the present, which flows into the past. If you've ever read Uji, Master Dogen's Being Time, that man was a genius. But he was also a man, which is what I'd like to talk about today. Master Dogen, you're showing your age. You're looking old. By that I mean not that he's out of date, far from it. But he was a man of his times, and times change. You know, the relationship of the Soto school with Master Dogen has also changed over the centuries. Do you know that for most of the last 800 years, Dogen was pretty much ignored in the Soto school? Oh, sure, he was the founder. He was the, the guy who brought Soto Zen from China to Japan, and he was respected in that way. But nobody really read his Shobogenzo. And even those who did read his Shobogenzo for most of the last 800 years, well, let's just say it wasn't as highly... valued as it is now. The book itself surprisingly was valued. People would hand around copies, old copies of the Shobogenzo, for the book itself as kind of a talisman, uh, a symbol of the lineage. But very few people cracked the book and actually read it. And those who read it, of course, if you've ever tried to read Shobogenzo, know that it wasn't easy. And a lot of people threw up their hands and just gave up. It was only in the 19th century, really, that Dogen was rediscovered. There were some other attempts in the past by Menzon and others to revive Dogen and to, to get back to the founders, uh, so to speak. But uh, really in the 19th century was the time that the Shobo Genzo craze really began. And I think, if I'm correct, the first really popular copy, not just for priests, but I mean passed around in public and uh, it was in the 1920s when uh, the real Shobogenzo boom began. And Shobogenzo was wonderful. Shobogenzo is a work of genius. But it's also maybe just a work. A work in progress. One man's vision and dream. Let me explain that. You know, I think Dogen was ignored for hundreds of years, and then it kind of went the other way, and it still is that way in our Soto school. Oh, Dogen, that man must have understood everything. That man was fully enlightened like the Buddha, and every precious word of the Shobogenzo must have some secret meaning. The harder it is to understand, the more there must be 
some secret code there, maybe like the Da Vinci Code. And if we can just figure out that code, then it will all become clear. Dogen was put on a shelf and worshipped. My own teacher spent years and years trying to really figure out the Shobo Genzo and understand it. And he, my teacher did understand it with his heart. And he came up with his interpretation of Shobo Genzo. But you know, the more I read Shobo Genzo, that may be Dogen ringing the bells. The more I read Shobo Genzo, I realized that Shobo Genzo is man's religious vision spoken from his heart. It's a work of genius but it is the voice of a man who took the Buddhist truths and expressed them like a poet, like a mu musician. I often compare Dogen to someone like uh, John Coltrane. You know, if you ever heard John Coltrane, John Coltrane play his sax, he also was a very religious man, John Coltrane. And he would express his view of the universe, of of religion through blowing his horn. He would take the, shall we say, the standard tunes, the Buddhist classics for Dogen, uh, maybe something like uh, Melancholy Baby for Coltrane, or Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And he'd twist it up turn it upside down, topsy-turvy, syncopate time, like Dogen, syncopating time, baby. And he'd find new truths in that. And I think that's what Dogen was all about, too. Dogen would take the standards of Buddhist wisdom, the Four Noble Truths, the great koan stories, the great sutra stories, and man, he would just let it rip. He'd riff on it. He'd let it fly. And he found his own sound. And I don't think, this is almost sacrilegious to say, I don't think that Dogen actually always knew what Dogen meant. Do, Dogen knew the sound, baby, what was echoing in his heart. And that's how he expressed the unexpressible. You know, I think Dogen read a lot of the sutras, like the uh, the Nirvana Sutra. Nirvana Sutra is already a wild story. The Lotus Sutra is, man, it's like, makes Lord of the Rings or Alice in Wonderland look like uh, the, the, the instructions for, for installing a, a video player. I mean, it's wild. And Dogen took these already wild tunes and even more wilded them to express them. That's how I see Dogen. So when I read Dogen now, I hear it for the sound that I hear with my eyes, we say. There was another thing about Dogen. Man of his times. Oh, fuddy-duddy. And sometimes I think kind of Sometimes not even a very nice guy. You know, there's one section. There's this book called Shobo Genzo. This way, monkey, not to be confused. 
with the show Boganzo. I got uh, my daughter's here waking up. I got her in a little crib here. Told, Dogen told one of his monks one time, who said, hey, I gotta take care of my mom. And he said, ah, oh, forget your mom. It's more important to sit Zazen and practice the Dharma. And I thought, Dogen, Dogen, come on, man. Get your camera. Hi. Wave. This is our daughter, Chow Chow. See, Dogen didn't have one of these. Today my wife is at an Aikido meeting. So Papa is doing his Papa thing. I didn't intend to have her here today, but I'm watching the kids all day. And Dogen never had to do that. Dogen had to watch his monks. He had to keep those monks inspired. And sometimes to keep his monks inspired, he said some really, you know, he sounded like Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, coaching that team. You guys, you're the, you, to be a monk is the only way leaving your families, leaving your mothers, leaving your fathers, leaving your kids. Just sit, be a monk. He'd give pep talks like that because he was talking to monks in the monastery. And if you're talking to monks in a monastery, you're talking to a football team, you give them a pep talk. You're the greatest team. This is the way, leaving home, being monks. But you know, 100 or so years ago, hi, monks in Japan started getting married. Originally, it was thought as a step down, that the monks were truly leaving what it meant to be a celibate Buddhist monk and having families and kids. But you know, I think it turned into the greatest thing, knocking down those monastery walls, bringing these teachers' teachings out of the monasteries to deal with these little ones here. And all the jobs. Can I have a kiss? Can I have a kiss? And now we're taking Dogen. We're taking him out of the monastery. We're bringing him into the nursery. We're bringing him out of the monastery. We're bringing him into the office and factory. And that's why I say, Dogen, you're looking old. But Dogen, you're timeless too. Because your teachings, those, that sound you discovered in the Shogo Genzo, it's not limited to the monastery. It's right here, right here, too. Don't you agree? So in that, I got to get back to my papa duties. So we're going to sit together for a few minutes and then... Uh, Really softly, or actually, you want to ring the bell?